Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market what do you call a dirty powerpoint presentation mudslides if you just read the bio to Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Can you please stop bullshitting and get to the question? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. I mean, wonderful people who, you know, are interested in other forms of medicine. (laughs) This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question that you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at WM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. All kinds of cool things that you can buy. Most importantly, and not just stupid mugs and stuff, although we have those too. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, very good. So please uh, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com. It's S-T-U-F-F dot drsteve.com. You can just click through and go to Amazon and do your regular shopping, or you can scroll down and you can see the roadie robotic tuner. Now that we're doing video, we should do a demonstration of of that thing. We could do it after, so it's not (laughs) part of the show. It would be boring, but um, it's cool as hell. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I mean, you have a robot in your hand, and it tunes your damn guitar for you. It's really neat. And uh, tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID, and don't forget, um, uh, that'll get you 33% off. 
and uh, Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. So, uh, yes, very good. Um, so we're doing sort of a special show, and uh, this one we have a live stream going, and we're going to get some questions off the live stream. And I saw one from Dusty Rhodes. The American Dream. Yep. Woo. What happens? I, I, only, I never worked <laughs> with Dusty when I worked in championship wrestling, but I did. Uh, he did a video one time. And he was threatening Greg Valentine, or he was threatening somebody that was threatening Greg Valentine. I can't remember. And then they did the thing actually in like Dorton Arena or Charlotte Coliseum. But he never actually came to the studio when I was there. But I did meet Andre the Giant, and that was cool. And I knew uh, uh, Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair was there, <laughs> Greg Valentine. Um, uh, Baron von Roschke, uh, the uh, Igor, the Polish prince. I've told all these <laughs> stories before, so. Uh, but that was quite delightful. That anyway, is cool. all right. So the American Dream. So where is his damn question now? I've got it right here. Okay, Dr. you got yeah. it. Yep, I scroll back to it. What happens to the sperm once the vast difference is cut? Where does the new made stuff go? Yeah, good that question. is a very good question. Good question. I got to come up with. I gotta. This is really when you give, give an answer. I gotta come up with a better for sound a for when somebody one. comes up with a great question. But I'll give them one of those for that. Um, so right. So the anatomy of the testicle and the vas deferens is you've got this you know ovoid thing down there called the testicle that sperm is created in, mm -hmm. and it has some other functions as well. Uh, including hormonal things, but one of the things is is that you get these cells that mature into sperm cells, and then they got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So they all collect in these tubules, and there's this mass of tubules called the epididymis, which is in the upper back side of the testicle. If you want to feel it, you should feel it when you do your self testicular exam. Oh, you know what? It's October. It is. It is. It's, yeah. We need to do our self testicular exam because we do it every year on the anniversary that we did our first show at SiriusXM, which was October. Oh, no, it was October 13th, but that's okay. Opie and Anthony's anniversary was October 4th. How do I know that? And I don't know my own son's phone number. I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, so let, let's do a self-testicular exam. Let's all do it, and, um, and then we'll get it done for the year because every woman knows how to do a self-breast exam, but they don't teach young boys to do self-testicular exams. And... Testicular cancer is a young man's disease. Now, every right. year we do this, we'll get one or two people that say, wow, you know, I actually um, uh, found something and yep. they took care of it. So yep. this is what you want to do is uh, take off your drawers. You want to be completely naked when you do this. A good time to do this is getting out of the shower. Should we have some music for this? You want some? You oh, want yeah, some? Let's oh, have, yeah, let's okay, have some mood some, music. Okay, you got it. So the best time to do this is when you're getting out of the shower and it's a warm shower and the cremaster muscle that pulls, you know, you know the shrinkage, the shrinkage, shrinkage yes. has relaxed. Yep. So your nuts are now sagging down about as far as they go. They're free flowing. They're yes. Soft. Supple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you'll reach down with one hand. You want to examine each testicle separately. And um, <clears throat> what I like to do is just reach down and feel the testicle itself and make sure it is vaguely ovoid, egg-shaped, and that it's pretty much smooth. Now, there are a couple of places where you might feel a little bump, and that in, in these anatomic places, that's kind of normal. 
But if you feel it anywhere else, the front, the bottom, the, you know, the middle of the back, that's not normal. And what a lot of people will describe is a, it feels kind of like um, a piece of aquarium gravel. Okay. Sometimes it's stuck. Okay. So if it's if if whatever it is is stuck to the surface of the testicle, and you can tell because you can't move it around, right. it moves with the testicle. That's something that should be checked out. Now, if you make a C clamp out of your out of your hands and reach around behind the testicle, now now you can get a feel for this thing at the very top of the testicle. I'm gonna get rid of that stupid music <laughs> at the top of the testicle on the back side that when you slightly squeeze it, it feels a little mushy. When you slightly squeeze it, it feels like you're kind of getting kicked in the nuts very lightly. That is your epididymis, mm-hmm. okay? And there can be there can be an appendix testes and, and some other things up there that feel like little tiny, maybe mushroom, tiny, tiny little things up at the top. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you feel something up at the top, now if it doesn't feel right, get it checked out. But most of the time, that's what these things are. So now, and then you're going to do it on the other side, the front, the sides, the back, and then the C-clamp around, and then you're going to feel the the very top back side. And if you're really good at it, you can feel the vas deferens because the vas deferens comes out of the epididymis. The epididymis is kind of where the sperm cells mature, and then they work them their way into the vas deferens, which is how sperm cells get into the semen. And it's sort of like injection molding, you know, where you've got yep, these, yep. They, and they get injected into the stream. And when you have a vasectomy, that's what that's the tube that they're cutting, and that will be on the backside of the testicle, just above the epididymis. And sometimes you can feel that if you really try hard. Again, when you if you squeeze it too hard, it's you're going to get that same feeling as if you were kicked in the nuts. And um, so. <clears throat> Uh, when you cut the the vas deferens, you wonder, well, where do all those sperm go? Well, they just have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that can happen. This happened to a double vasectomy turd was he had a thing called a spermatocele. Right. And a spermatocele is where you get a collection of sperm cells basically after a vasectomy where they've collected and they they make a collection of fluid that's just filled with dead sperm cells at that point. <clears throat> and, but that's unusual. Most people don't have that. What happens is the sperm cells have nowhere to go. They can't mature, so the testicle just resorbs them. Mm-hmm. The difference between men and women, one of the differences, and when I'm talking <laughs> about, when I say men and women, I'm talking about sexual characteristics of of uh, the testicles and the ovaries. Let me say that. Let me, that way I'm not saying something wrong. Um, The difference between the testicle and the ovary is that the testicle will produce sperm on and on and on as long as there are, um, you know, the right hormones to support it and the right substrates to support it. Whereas the eggs seem to be created with a finite number of eggs. And when you use your last one, you're done. That's when women go through menopause. Right. So uh, very interesting difference. Which means, uh, you know, an 80-year-old man theoretically could impregnate uh, anybody as long as they've got a uh, an egg that's waiting to be um, fertilized. Whereas a woman, most of the time, will, and it depends, the average age is around 51, will have a finite number of eggs. Right. Okay? Yep. I got another one for you. I was, I was kind of uh, there at the end. Um, 
<clears throat> trying to navigate that um, that uh, obstacle course to make sure I didn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was fabulous, fabulous, <laughs> fabulous. Well, you know, we don't want to. No, I'm no, cool. No, you are cool for for an old timer. That's right, for an old timer. I right. always say trans fat bad, trans everything else, yay. So yes. you know, I'm <laughs> totally cool. It's fine. It's just you know, I talked to Bailey J once, and she said. I even get confused sometimes. So if she gets yeah. confused, um, then I guess it's okay if I get confused sometimes. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Hey, we have another one from Jody. She had the good question earlier, but this time it's uh, she had shingles one time. How common is it to get it again? How common is it? Well, That's an excellent question. It's well. uncommon. <laughs> I can yeah. say that. Uh, you normally, shingles are one and done. Shingles is a return of chicken pox. So you had chicken pox when you were a kid. You went through the scratching and itching and the virus retreats and your body's immune system basically shuts it down. But the viruses go, we'll be back. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen the last of us yet. And they retreat into a nerve ganglion, which is just a collection of nerves uh, going uh, uh, just outside the spinal column. Mm -hmm. And later in life, when you get stressed out, they'll go, ha, 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 I told you we'd be back. And they just come back out again. But they're only in that one nerve root. They don't go everywhere. Mm -hmm. So when you have chickenpox, you have what we would call disseminated varicella, although that's really reserved for adults who have a crummy immune system. Mm -hmm. When they get chickenpox again at the end of their life, usually, or they've had some, uh, you know, had chemotherapy or... They've had, um, you know, bone marrow radiation, getting ready for stem cell transplant, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And then they can get disseminated varicella, which is varicella is the name of the virus that causes chicken pox and shingles. But for the person with a normal immune system, it will come out of that one nerve root, mm-hmm. which is why it's always on one side mm-hmm. and it's in one localized area of the body. Yeah, almost always. Now, I have seen well, it one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, yeah, it, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. I didn't mean to talk over No, no, no. But, um, no, but you're you, fine. It, but I was telling her on on um, Jody on on the chat room too that it's not it's it's uncommon but it but it does happen. People can get the shingles pop up time after time after time. Well, okay, but but that can be stress related. So uh-huh. here's the thing: I've had people say mm-hmm. once a month I get shingles, or mm-hmm. once every six weeks I get shingles. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have shingles; you have herpes. It's a different. Uh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Both gotcha, of those gotcha, are, gotcha, they're gotcha, both herpes viruses. Gotcha. Shingles is a herpes virus, which right. is why, but you know, when you, and, and and the way to know for sure is to have them, number one, they can do serologic tests. Mm-hmm. So they'll do a blood test to see if you have antibodies to uh, herpes simplex one or two. And then they can actually, uh, when you have an outbreak, have them take a scraping of the base of one of the ulcers, put it in viral transport medium, send it off for a herpes simplex identification, and they will uh, put it in a uh, cell culture, and they can tell if it's herpes simplex one or two. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you'll know. Gotcha. So you might as well know. Yeah, and that's my fault. If you fault. really think yeah. you're having shingles over and over and over again, just make sure you don't have herpes. Okay, and, that, and so I misspoke yet. Yeah, so Joe, well, thank you. Yeah, well, it could have. No, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah. The overall incident rate of herpes zoster, which is shingles, right. is 5.1 per thousand person years. The recurrence rate, okay, is mm-hmm. 12 per thousand. Uh, person years. So there were 2,100 recurrent cases out of 39,000 initial episodes 
with a four-year mean follow-up period. Okay. So it does happen. Yeah. It's just uncommon. Yes, sir. Hey, so, and her other question was, should she or but can it should, she? But it's like once. Would, would, you, would you suggest getting vaccinated? Yes. I would too, yeah. Yep, yep I would yep. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, Especially, they're still recommending that if well, here's another one, you know, if you had it, right. they still recommend that you get vaccinated so that you just don't get it again because it sucks. Now, I got uh, I have all these breakthrough cases. OK, I had influenza. I got vaccine. I got influenza, mm-hmm. but I didn't die. 105 temp. No, but you're sicker and shit. Well, for, for a little while. I <laughs> yes. did the Relenza. I like the Relenza better right. than the Tamiflu, too. Relenza, you inhale. It just seems to do better. In my opinion, I don't have any data to back that up, but uh, when I can, if I have somebody with influenza, I'll try to get them to take the relenza. Um, and then I had COVID, and then I, now this, I was sick as shit. Yeah. And I got COVID 19, but I didn't die. And then I had the shingles vaccine, and I got shingles, but it was the most mild case of shingles I've ever seen. And I was incredibly stressed out when it happened. Yeah. And it was just on one little place, it itched for a couple of days, and then it was gone. So, Although I've had all of these things, I still am a huge proponent of each one of their, um, you know, respective vaccines. And it's, of course, it's your choice. You do it or not. But uh, now here we go. Herpes zoster recurrences more frequent than dot, dot, dot. And you have to click the link. No previously question. reported. Okay. Hmm. Rates of herpes zoster recurrence at shingles appear to be comparable to rates of first shingles occurrence. Oh, and imp- What? In immunocompetent individuals, suggesting that recurrence is sufficiently common to warrant investigation of vaccine prevention in this group. Oh, yes, of course. Okay. Uh, wow. Of 1,670 people with medically documented episode of herpes zoster, 95 had uh, recurrences, an average follow-up of 7.3 years. So the estimate a recurrence rate at eight years was 6.2%. Okay. Yeah, so I don't understand their conclusion, but you'll have to look at that. But So they're recommending that people get, or at least consider getting vaccinated if they've had a recurrence of herpes zoster. All right, you could be looking that up. What are you? Is that what you're looking up? I hope. No, it's, it's oh, for fuck's sake. No, hell, I'm working over here. <laughs> you are no okay. What are you hey, working you on? You don't, you don't, you don't pay me enough to work it that, that, that much harder. <laughs> no, I'm talking to um, just finishing up with Jody. We do have it looks oh. like one more question. Oh, okay, yeah, one more question. Okay. When you're ready, yeah, no, I'm ready. Yeah, yes. it's about Suboxone. So okay. we've got mm-hmm. a we've got a friend, Chris, who's who. Uh, uh, the Suboxone has solved his, de- his depression and has no intention of getting off of the Suboxone. Are there long term issues in using Suboxone forever? He's a 42 year old male. Okay, um, and um, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so let me go back to the first one and remind, and then we'll come back to that. Right on, right on. I, one thing that we didn't mention, the reason that you take the shingles vaccine is not to prevent shingles. It's to prevent post-herpetic neuralgia, which right. is a painful pain or, uh, no. a painful syndrome that goes on and on and on for months, maybe years, sometimes your lifetime. And if you get shingles in your eye and then you get post-herpetic neuralgia and it lasts the rest of your life, you're going to be miserable. So that's the main reason for taking a shingles vaccine. Um, <clears throat> healthy adults 50 ages, fifty years and older should get two doses of Shingrix separated anywhere between two and six months. Even if you've had shingles, received the Zostavax, which was the previous one, or are not sure if you ever had chickenpox. Okay. All of those. Okay. No maximum age for getting it. All right. 
Okay, let's go back to the Suboxone. So his main question is uh, he's going to take it because he's achieved sobriety on it. So Suboxone is buprenorphine with naloxone. And uh, what what it is is uh, it's an what we call an agonist antagonist opioid. So it in the presence of opioids it will kick the opioids off of the receptor and it'll put you into withdrawal. But in the absence of opioids, it acts like an opioid. So it's a good drug to use mm-hmm. for people who have substance abuse substance abuse problems. No matter how they started, a lot of them start because somebody went and got a vasectomy done, and then they gave them a big peanut butter jar full of oxycodone, Mm -hmm, which was what happened in my case. I didn't end up with a substance abuse problem, but, uh, you know, that was ridiculous. I took one, and they were just sitting there, but I understood after that how this stuff happens. Sure, sure. You know? So, um, but, so what you can do is you get someone, and they commit to um, uh, trying to achieve sobriety, the best way to do it is get them into counseling too, mm-hmm. and group counseling, individual counseling, whatever, to you know work on those triggers and all that stuff. Try to avoid triggers, and then you bring them in when they are starting to go through withdrawal, and you give them that first dose of of buprenorphine or AKA Suboxone with uh, naloxone. Naloxone is a is an opioid blocker, and what that does is it. If you take it orally, it doesn't do anything. But if you try to shoot it up, it'll block all the opioids in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you take it, and then all of a sudden you feel good. You feel right again, right. and that's the value of it. So you want to give it to people when they're just starting to go through withdrawal, so they can see the value of it, and then they could take it. You can ramp them up and keep them there forever. Or you can ramp them up, and then you can taper them off if they want to, and be off of it, if, you know, and be completely off all substances if they can do that. Now everybody's different. A lot of addictionologists that I talk to are proponents of keeping people on it for a long time. Yep. What that does, though, is in many uh, locales, you have a limit to how many patients you can have on this stuff, and so if you hit, reach your limit, you can't take any new patients if you're just maintaining everybody. But anyway. That's neither here nor there. So this person is on it, and they're going to stay on it because it helps them. With their depression, yeah. And maintain their sobriety, too. Now, where the depression may be coming from, ask them this. Are they still in there? Uh, Ask them if they went through full-blown withdrawal. Because if they went through full-blown withdrawal, this is why we don't want people to go cold turkey if they can avoid it is uh, they could get a thing called post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And post-acute withdrawal syndrome, uh, you know, the withdrawal itself can take a week to two weeks, but then the psychological effects of puking your guts out and feeling like crap for two weeks, and then the uh, the chemical changes in the brain uh, can make can give you depression for up to two years and anxiety and malaise and you can just feel like crap. So we really try not to let people go through full blown withdrawal. But that may be why the Suboxone works for them. I'm just throwing that out just in case. Could see be, what yeah. see what they say. He he is still he is still listening. Um, but he, but he he did take pain pills. And it wound up um, elevating his depression. And when he got on the Suboxone, oh, okay. yeah, when he got off fair the Suboxone, enough. yeah, when he started the Suboxone, he came off the pain pills, and he felt better. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, good fair job, enough. fair enough. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Hang excellent. In. We'll give you one of these. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, very proud of you. Congratulations. Yeah.
And people on Suboxone can work. They can do their regular lives. They can get back to it, and they don't have to go cop somewhere mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all the things that go with it. So including, especially if you're shooting up and, you know, being exposed to needles, if you're not in a place that supplies clean needles, is you know, you're putting yourself at risk. So uh, it works. The other thing that sub- Suboxone clinics are good for are people that have been discharged from their pain clinics. You know, they may go to one pain clinic, got discharged because they, I don't know, you know, had a bad urine drug screen. Then the next one, they they had a bad pill count. And now nobody will see them. A Suboxone clinic will accept you with open arms mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, get your pain. It's a really good pain medication. And you can, they'll kind of keep things under control. So, um so what was this called? Oh, the long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Well, there are long-term effects to taking all opioids for a long time. Mm-hmm. One is your testosterone. You start feeling, uh, if you start feeling fatigued, get your testosterone checked because about 50% of people on chronic opioids will have low testosterone. And there may right. be some increase. I'm going to look this one up for buprenorphine, but there may be some increase in risk of some uh, malignancies as well. Um I was looking it up. I haven't seen anything that just jumped right out. Well, that's, there are, for regular opioids, like heroin users, mm-hmm. will have an increased risk of malignancy if they take it for a long time. So let's see here. Um, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not seeing a whole lot in here. So yeah, I, I'll do some some um some research on that but as far as long-term risk there's definitely more t- long-term risk to you abusing opioids than there is to taking suboxone yes so yeah, the sure, benefits sure. outweigh the risks either way so yeah especially if you can get down to a low dose yeah you know yeah absolutely so all right okay way to go chris hey thank you man got anything else no, sir. I believe I'll do it. Okay, let's see here. How long we've we been going? Twenty-four minutes. We'll do a couple other. Let me look at a couple of these. Um, I, I, we've done this one before. This is Tracy from Louisiana, but we've done this question a rare before. COVID question. Yeah. For me. Thank you. Oh shit. Are people that are vaccinated are they actually asymptomatic and don't realize it because they're actually not catching the virus, but they're still breathing it in? transporting the virus around oh, and breathing it back out. I see what he's saying. He's asking, is it possible that they're not infected? Are they acting as human fomite? So if you remember what a fomite is, a fomite is an inanimate object that if you sneeze, let's say you sneeze on it, or a doorknob is a good example. You snot in your hand, you grab the doorknob to go to the bathroom uh, without washing your hands first, then someone else grabs that doorknob and then sticks their finger in their nose, mm-hmm. and they now they've had fomite transmission of a virus. And COVID-19 has not been well known for that, but certainly it's possible, particularly if you've got a big glob of snot So in uh, a short period of time outside the body. But what he's asking is, can the humans act like a, a human fomite? Mm-hmm. And I would say that the answer is pretty much no. The only time I could imagine that you would be a non-infected passive carrier is if, let's just say, somebody sneezed and it got on your lip, okay, and then you immediately kissed somebody mm-hmm. on the lips. Okay, you would be, you wouldn't be infected. Right. You could be totally protected from it, mm-hmm. but you could transmit it to them that way. That'd be about the only way. Or maybe if somebody sneezed in in your hand and you shook somebody's hand and yeah, 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 yeah. then you would be sort of a, 
non-inanimate fomite. I don't know what the name for that is. There has to be a name There's got to be a name. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good question. That's funny. All right. From, let's see. From Tracy. That was a good question. From yeah. Tracy. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Oh, no. This is Jim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. Why, why are we getting those off? So one of you assholes. I'm not going to say it. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now we're getting political voicemails on our voicemail. Anyway, uh, let's do, uh, let's see. Okay, let's try this one, and then we'll be done. Oop. Steve, um, I have a weird medicine question. Thank you. It's really gross, so don't don't comment on how gross it is. No, that's. It'll just discourage us creeps. No, we love it. sending questions in. Thank um, you, sir. If I, if I urinate in my sink, in yes. my bathroom sink. Please do. Regularly, <laughs> instead of the toilet. Well, okay. So why? But uh, it's okay. I know people who do this. So that's let's. But see. every time I urinate in the sink, I wash my hands and I wash like this. Like I, you know, cut my hands and make sure that water I wash off the sink. Um, and then I later on, you know, either brush my teeth or fill up a cup of water from that sink yeah. and drink it. Okay. Yes. Okay. I think I know where this is going, but I'm. I'm assuming you're not filling up the sink and then dipping a cup into it to fill it. That would be crazy. You're filling it up from the tap. So you're not really filling it up from the sink, right? Is that – am I at risk of catching anything? No. It's my own urine. No. I'm kind of washing the sink out. Yeah. Urine is sterile anyway. Yeah. So really, uh, you should be okay. Uh, you can even – I mean, there are people that drink their own urine. I don't recommend it. There's no value in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you get some sort of sexual pleasure from it, but don't drink or a lot of it. You're stuck in the middle of a desert. Well, you can cool. do it the first time. The first right. pass is probably will keep you alive, but the second pass will kill you. Yeah, no good. And uh, so there are uh, there are some survival people that tell me that it's okay to drink that first pass, particularly if you were well hydrated before you became lost in the desert, and so you're peeing out dilute urine. But after that, it's going to be hyper-concentrated urine, and you can't drink it anymore. But, um, uh, yeah, so, no, that's okay. And, again, you're not you're pissing in the sink. Not into your cup. And, and, and then washing it out. Right. And then you are brushing your teeth by putting the – I mean, does anybody still fill up the sink and then no. somehow brush their teeth that no, way? I, I mean, we did so. in camp. I don't think so, yeah. But then, you know, we had to bring water. We had to get it from a spigot and bring it over there so you had, like, a bucket. It was disgusting. Yeah. And then you would spit in there and then wash it out. But that's not what you're doing. Well, you have modern plumbing. So I, you're good. <laughs> you're good anyway. You're yeah. good if you pissed up in the air and it went all over your face and you just wiped it <laughs> off. You'd be you'd, Really, well, you'd be okay. Am I wrong? You're wrong. No, do you, you're right, do you you're right, recommend right. urine therapy for anybody in your crazy practice that you have <laughs> no okay. no that's one of the crazy one of the few crazy things i don't i don't know much about but yeah so that's not a part of no. traditional chinese medicine no. at all no. it's weird that flying squirrel fecal matter is it is but human urine they didn't find a use for that and huh? eating and eating um you know the after birth after women give birth they, is that a thing oh yeah they fried up in with an egg well sure it, yep. it's god lots, lots of lots it's of protein tons of protein yep. tons of iron in there particularly if the woman has lost a lot of blood which i would say uh even now that happens yeah, well, but yeah. certainly back in the day that happened and i had a dog she gave birth to 10 puppies 
and ate every single one of those placentas. She had 10 placentas. Wow. And then didn't leave that whelping box. Yeah. Because she had 10 puppies for two days. Wow. When she finally, I finally got her to go out. I said, come on, Sadie, you've got to go out. She went running out there and took the most gigantic dog dump I've ever seen (laughs) in my life. It was unbelievable. I yeah. love it. I she love was it. a good mom. God, that was the she was the best dog. I don't remember her. No, you don't. This okay. was when I was in Vermont. That was okay, way yeah. before your time. And uh you probably don't remember her son, Alpo, who um I had in Rogersville. His name was Alpo. He was a big white lab. Yeah. Huge white lab. Died at home. It was very sad. But that's what you know, dogs ugh. No different than us. No, I know, they but just... they you know, this 12-year lifespan thing is yeah. kind of getting on me. It's getting no good. Because I'm just thinking about the dogs we have and the cat we have. I just, I I love, have you know, being with them and having them part of our family. And I guess if you just dwell on, well, this is going to end someday. That's You're going to do that with your own life, with your vacations, with your, you know, uh, holidays. And the next thing you know, you're going to be dead and all you did was worry about stuff. <laughs> For real. Yeah, no, so I had to learn to stop thinking that way. But I still, every once in a while, I get a little wistful about all the doggies and kitties that I've had. Yeah. But um, I used to, and we're winding up, so um, yeah. I used to go on vacation and say I'd take a two-week vacation at the beginning. It's like we've got infinite amount of time, mm-hmm. just an infinite amount of time. Two weeks seems like forever. And then the first week is over and you go, well, you know, okay, if I was just going to be here for a week, this would be the beginning of my vacation. And then it starts to happen. You can see the sands of time. And then it's all of a sudden it's Monday and then it's Wednesday. It's like, oh my God, I can't stop time. It just keeps going. And then the next, and then I'm just freaking out and I I might, I would get, you know, choked up because I'd be sad because I had to go leave this wonderful vacation. And um, and then I'd just be miserable for the rest of my vacation. I'm not like that anymore. If you are like that, let me tell you what helped me get rid of it is journaling. Just every day, sit down, write down what you did. Particularly if you go to the beach, all those days just run into each other. But write down what you did today. We ate here. This is what we had. We, you know, we saw a, you know, dolphins in the water and all that stuff. It helps to make the days last longer. It's weird. It sounds goofy. But, um, you know, Opie and Jimmy and Anthony made fun of me talking about doing yoga for back pain. And now at least two of them that I know are doing yoga for their low back pain. So, funny. And, and they've talked about it. I'm not talking about it out of school. So anyway, listen, uh, let's get out of here. Thank you all for uh, hanging with us. And um, we will see you very soon. Thanks. Always go to Dr. Scott, who's... I'm always, always here, and I appreciate we can't forget Rob Sprance, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Opcharsky, Chowdy 1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, the Saratoga skank, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns pigs and snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, uh-oh, uh-oh, the boss. finally, finally, Tacey, you're on Weird Medicine. Um- Steve? Yeah, you're on Weird Medicine. Oh.
<laughs> We're almost done. I'll be right down. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Oh, that's a good reaction. I think uh, I'll be climbing out the window out the back. <laughs> <laughs> I better wrap up the uh, see you laters. Let's just get to Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Uh, many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts, other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. That was a good show. Was it? Great show. Okay. 